I can't really remember how many times I meet a stranger and for the first time they ask me, so where are you from? For a lot of people, this might be a very straightforward question and has a very simple answer. But for me, it's a little bit complicated. When people ask me where I'm from, I reply by asking them, what do you mean? Do you want to know where I was born, where I was raised? Do you want to know my ethnicity, my beliefs, or my values? Are you asking me so you can stereotype me and put a label on me? Do you think, oh, this guy is from this geographical area and therefore he is XYZ? Actually, this is one of the logical fallacies, where we tend to label things as good or bad based on the place they come from. For example, think of German cars, French perfumes, Italian food, or British cronyism. Well, all of that might be true, except for that British cronyism is actually happening in the UK, if you follow British politics. I was born in the United Arab Emirates and raised in Aleppo in a conservative society. I then moved to the UK, where I started questioning my beliefs and values. I don't usually cook Arabic food, I don't watch Arabic or British drama, I don't like marmite or fish and chips, or celebrate our Syrian or British holidays. So what does that make me? I don't have a home. Aleppo, my hometown, was destroyed, and with it my school, my neighborhood where I was raised, the place where I learned to ride a bike, the place where I had my first job at 10 years old, and all the memories that I had in that place. So asking me where I'm from would trigger anxiety and trauma, making me relive the worst nightmares that I still have on a daily basis. Nightmares where I see myself being deported from the UK back to Aleppo and being arrested by the Syrian regime. But for other people, this question has a very simple answer. I've asked my maid, Gary, and this was his answer. Um, so, Gary, where are you from? I'm from England. And when people ask you where are you from, how do you answer this question? I think it depends on who's asking. So if I know that that person uh, is from England, then I would just say my hometown, which is uh, Leamington Spa, Royal Leamington Spa. But if I know they're, they're not, then I would probably say something like, oh, I'm like an hour and a half north of London or very close to Stratford-upon-Avon. So where are you from for you? Is a place where you were born and raised? Yeah. But for others, the answer to this question is a little bit complicated. This is Jess. So you asked me where I'm from. And for me, that's quite a complicated question. The easy answer, I would say I'm American. But if I'm in the Middle East, which is where I lived for over 10 years, they would really look at me like, no, there's no possibility you're American because, you know, you're not white. You have an Asian face. And so then I have to add, well, my mom's from Taiwan and my dad's from Thailand. But in Hong Kong, where I'm living now, usually people can tell right away from my accent that I'm either an ABC, American-born Chinese, or um, from Canada, or maybe 
you know, Australia or New Zealand because I don't speak Cantonese. In that case, when I'm in when I'm in Hong Kong, I just say, "Well, I'm from California or I'm from San Francisco," and that answer usually satisfies. When I'm in Thailand, actually, where I'm born, if I tell them that my father is from Thailand, they just take it as, "Okay, well, she's Thai." And if I'm in Taiwan, even if I tell them my mom is Taiwanese, they do not accept me as a Taiwanese. So, uh, where I'm from? Well, that's a pretty complicated question because I'm not really American anymore because I don't have a base in the U.S. anymore. My husband is from France, and now I would call my home country France. So, I I think that this becomes more and more complicated. Just like me, Jess doesn't really like answering this question. When I'm out with Gary and he's asked where he's from, he would answer straight away. A small town near Birmingham, he's gonna get married there, he goes there to see his family, and he still has friends who live there and went to school together. I can't go back to Aleppo, and I won't, but some people try to be smart and ask the question differently. They ask me, so, where is home for you? Well, that answer is very simple for me nowadays. I don't want to get philosophical and ask what makes place home and whether home is bound by place and space and time. So I simply answer, home is where I get paid. In today's episode, I talk to a very special girl from all over the world. We have a few things in common. We were both raised in Syria. We speak Arabic and we don't like getting asked, where are you from? I mean, I know like myself and my... So there's like millions of us everywhere worldwide. In every country, I think there's some of us. Stay with me to listen to Celine by way of Canada. So I'm Circassian, if you know what that is, Sharakis. Yeah, sure. Explain it, please. We originated in the Caucasus Mountains, which is now Russia. It's modern day Russia. And they basically kicked us out of our land. A lot of us immigrated to the Middle East and like a million Circassians died in like the Black Sea. It was a whole genocide, but that was in the 1800s. And yeah, we're just spread out all over. Like there's Syria and Syria and Jordan. I always say I come from a long line of immigrants. Every time my family or my ancestors settled in one area, it was just like, let's go another time. And then the whole like same thing kept happening. Celine's parents settled down in the Golan Heights, which is now occupied by Israel. So during the offensive, they decided to move and they moved to the capital of Syria, Damascus, where they got married. My parents, when they got married, my mom was 20 and my dad was like 27. They just like, in Syria, there wasn't many opportunities. So I was born in Saudi Arabia. And then also like, same thing. When I was three, we moved to America, (laughs) New Jersey. And then went back to Saudi And then when everything started in Syria around 2013, 14, we went back to America, and then 2016, I came to Canada. So mm-hmm. how, how do you feel about this question when people ask you, where are you from? Honestly, I, like, personally, I have the biggest identity crisis, I feel like. It's weird because, like, people in the West, when you ask them where they're from, they say where they live, where they reside. But then we have been taught to be like, yeah, we're, we're Syrian. 
But then if I say that, then people are like, well, you don't have any Syrian blood in you. But then like, what is Syrian blood? I feel like, I don't know what kind of direction a person should answer this question. I'd like, I don't know if it's where you've lived, where you were born, what blood is in you. Like it's, it's so many aspects and it literally just gets you to like this tornado of questions in your head. I feel like I never know how to answer it. I, I honestly, like what I say personally, I say that I'm Syrian Circassian, but it's, it's very confusing. I have recently decided to experiment a little bit and have fun every time I get asked this question. I have started telling people that I was from North Korea. And then people get surprised and tell me, well, you're white, you don't look North Korean. And then I tell them, well, how do you know how we look like in North Korea? You haven't been to North Korea, and maybe you have been watching some propaganda and some videos on TV and YouTube. This is how we look like in North Korea. That's why South Korea doesn't like us. Some people buy it, others don't. I sometimes say I'm from Sweden or Peru or any other place just to avoid saying I'm from Syria for the obvious reasons. And I feel like when I say Syrian and then I get that pity, I'm like, I don't deserve that pity because I never personally like went through the, the war. Like I never lived in Syria to face the consequences. So then I'm like, I feel survivor guilt. Like I'm like, I shouldn't say I'm Syrian because I haven't been through what my people have been through for the past 10 years. Some of the issues we face are not only psychological and are related to identity. Being a researcher myself and having worked with Amnesty International and other NGOs and journalists in the UK, I usually confront people who want to lecture me about my culture and country. Some people believe we were paid to protest against the regime, though I haven't received any paycheck, and the majority of the people in Syria have lost loved ones and everything they had. Celine went through a similar story. Yeah, so basically, I'm fourth year in university now. I'm doing political science. I was in a class, and it's about inequality and development. And my lecture was on inequality and the environment. So how inequalities that we face through, I guess, our capitalist society and neoliberal ideologies, they have pushed us to destroy our environment, which I 100% agree with. Um, the consumer, the consumerism that is in our world right now, like it's, it's really, it's really pushing us to extremes that I think we're not be, we're not going to be able to get back from. But climate migration, which it is, a, it, it's been a thing, and it is, it's gonna, I think, continue to be a thing in the future. But I had my professor say in the lecture that um, the Syrian crisis happened because of climate change and because of droughts that was hap that were happening in Syria. And so how it went is that the lecture was recorded. So I was just watching it at my own time. So I'm watching it and I'm like taking notes as I usually do for my classes. And I'm like, hold on, what did he just say? Um, I just, I was like, there's no way like this person that is very educated and is in the field of inequalities and in the field of politics, like you, you should know better. Like it's been, it's been going on for 10 years and like I longer than that for us, especially since the seventies. But I guess 
I guess people in the West just see things from their own point of view, from their own perspective, in a very closed off lens. And everyone just takes their own area and understands it from that perspective. So this guy, he's he's an environmentalist and he studies that. So he just saw it from that perspective. I scheduled a meeting with him and I spoke to him for like a good hour. I sent him books. I sent him articles. I sent him research. But it's still like it didn't click through. He was still arguing this and he was like... It's like, maybe it's not the number one driving factor of what's happened in your country, but I think it's a really big aspect of what has happened. And I'm like, dude, like, I don't know. It's just, it's it's very ignorant sometimes when you're not listening to the real people that have gone through this and that know this. This is something very common in, in Western countries that they kind of talk on behalf of people and try to shut up people who've been through th- these things. People speak on our behalf. Talking on behalf of people instead of giving them a platform is a very common problem and is the main reason I've started this podcast. I remember I was asked once to participate in a panel discussion about immigration and the Middle East, and we discussed artwork where a British professor traveled to Jordan, took a disused tent from the UNHCR warehouse, and made it into a wedding dress. This wedding dress was shown at London's Fashion Week in 2016. None of the people who were living there, living in the tent, none of them were able to fly to London, and nobody cared to find out who was living there. A number of organizations and well-known journalists usually spread misinformation about certain events, and unfortunately, the media is not doing a great job in given a platform to people to represent themselves. The UN does it often. They bring a celebrity to talk on behalf of refugees as if we can talk about ourselves and about our problems. However, our identity problem might not stop with us having settled down in Europe or in the West, as Celine explains. I mean, okay, so I'll tell you a little story. My baby sister, she's six years old now. Her name is Shem, and she's never been to Syria, obviously. So we talk about certain things and she's like, I want to go to Sham. Like I'm named after Sham. Like I feel so bad because her identity crisis is going to be way worse than mine. Her name is Sham. I don't know if she'll ever be able to go anytime soon. Maybe because we, we were able to go, we were able to grow up in a certain sense, have those memories, Bisuria and that kind of thing. I feel like it's going to be a little bit harder on them because their parents are fully Suryan, their siblings, you know, it's going to be hard to the sense that they're they're. I don't know if they'll be saying that, yeah, my background is Syrian, but I'm Canadian or I'm American or I'm British or I'm that kind of thing. That's going to go back to their experience of where they're living. The one thing we totally agree on is that the next generation will not grow up in a dictatorship. If they decide to move on to a different country, it won't be because they are displaced or fearing prosecution. Above all, hopefully, by the time they grow up, nobody would still be asking them the silly question, so where are you from? Where are you from? Where are you from?
Integrate That is hosted by me, Abdulwahab Tahan, and edited by Leo Sheik. Our guest today was Celine by way of Syria, Saudi, US, and Canada. To listen to more stories, check out season one. And if you enjoy this, leave us a comment.